Thank you to each one who participated in our service this morning. And certainly that ministry of music reminds us that we are in the Thanksgiving season. Looking forward to our service next Sunday. And if you haven't been here for a Thanksgiving service, it's different from our, our normal fare. And so I hope that you can be with us. One of the things we do is that we have a lot of time devoted to public uh, testimonies of your opportunity to stand up and publicly uh, acknowledge what it is that you are thankful for in your relationship to the Lord. And uh, we have a lot of people doing that. So think about uh, this week what you might want to say, how you might want to give honor and glory to God publicly. We also have more singing than usual, have uh, a praise band and, and uh, uh, accompanying us and a number of things. So Lord, uh, we encourage you to come back next week and be a part of that Thanksgiving service. This morning in the book of Matthew, we begin what is known as the Sermon on the Mount, an extended sermon that Jesus gave. And may I point out, he gave it sitting down. All right. Just, that's a poor attempt at humor here this morning, but uh, moving right along. All right. Uh, the Lord uh, Jesus gave this lengthy uh, message and uh, it begins with what is referred to as the Beatitudes, the Beatitudes. And they are significant for it addresses a number of questions such as what does a blessed life look like? What does it mean to be blessed? Do you feel blessed this morning? Do you think of yourself as a blessed person? Who in reality are the people that are truly blessed? And how is one to obtain that state of blessedness? The answer that we give to those questions are exceedingly important. For the answers are going to govern our goals and aspirations. They are going to determine what we go after in life. What we think is going to lead to blessedness. What we think is going to lead to a place of happiness in our lives. Not only will it determine our goals and aspirations, but moreover, it will affect the methodology of how to obtain those goals. It's going to affect our use of money, time, energies, and activities. For certainly, we want to be a blessed people. And we want to be a happy people. So, how do we go about doing what everyone wants to accomplish? The theme of this morning's message is, and we're going to take a bird's eye view of these Beatitudes this morning. It's just an introduction to them. Uh, but our theme is Christ's teaching on blessedness went against the cultural views of his day, and it goes against the cultural views of our day also. I can't express enough that Christ's teaching on blessedness is counter-cultural. The Christian worldview and the secular worldview is miles apart. And it is important in two ways. First of all, that we recognize the distinctiveness of the Christian worldview 
from the secular worldview. And the second is that we maintain that distinction. That we don't allow culture to dictate to us our beliefs and practices. Nor do we give up on culture, but we seek to transform culture in the proper attitude and way. So this morning, I want to emphasize and look at the ways in which the Beatitudes are, in fact, counter-cultural. First, the Beatitudes run contrary to conventional wisdom. Those who are a part of God's kingdom and those who are not a part of God's kingdom view blessedness in quite different ways. God said in the book of Isaiah, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. And that is certainly evidenced in the Beatitudes. For these next uh, series of comments, I'm heavily indebted to James C. Howell's work entitled The Beatitudes Today. So I want to give him the credit. The Beatitudes of our culture might be summarized as follows. Here is the Here are the Beatitudes of our culture, if you will. Blessed are those who climb the corporate ladder, for they will have a comfortable retirement. Blessed are those who invest shrewdly, for they will have a second vacation home. Blessed are those who are born into fine families, for they will enjoy countless advantages. Blessed are those with a good education, for they shall occupy greater positions in life. Blessed are the popular, for they shall have friends. Blessed are the good-looking, for they will meet with immediate acceptance. Blessed are those who satisfy their personal desires, for they shall be fulfilled and complete. Blessed are the greedy, for they shall get more out of life. Blessed are the quick to anger, for they shall not be taken advantage of. And blessed are those who stand up for their rights. For they will not be walked over. The Beatitudes of this world stand in stark contrast to the Beatitudes of Christ's kingdom. Look with me, if you would, at these Beatitudes. And I'm going to demonstrate how countercultural they really are. Starting with verse 3. The scripture states, Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Our culture says, blessed are the self-confident, for they will get ahead in life. The scripture says in Matthew 5, 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. The world says, blessed are those who are always happy, for they will be at peace with themselves and others. The scripture says, blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the world, the earth. The world says, blessed are those who are aggressive, for they shall win out over others. The scripture says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. The world says, blessed are those who work hard and obtain great material wealth, for they will be fulfilled. The scripture says, blessed are the merciful. For they shall obtain mercy. The world says, blessed are those who get even, for they shall not be taken advantage of. The scripture says, blessed are the pure in heart, 
for they shall see God. The world says, blessed are the sexually active, for they shall have a great time. The scripture says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. The world says, blessed are those who are confrontational for themselves and who prove to be self-reliant. The scripture says, blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The world says, blessed are those who take no moral stands, for they shall be viewed as tolerant and occupy positions of great authority. The scripture says, blessed are you when men cast insults at you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely on account of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so persecuted the prophets who were before you. The world says, Blessed are those who are well-liked and praised, for they will experience the acceptance and admiration of others. This has been exemplified in all of the great leaders. We can go on and on contrasting in a very real way the different attitudes that are presented in the Word of God from that which is in our culture. And so this morning, I want to begin by asking the question, what is this notion of blessedness? What is it to be blessed? Wherein does blessedness consist? There is a great problem. And that is equating blessedness with happiness. Blessedness is not a synonym in the truest sense of the word for happiness. Lee Cameron, in his book entitled Unexpected Blessing, states the following, and I quote, The unending pursuit of happiness is symbolized by the Happy Meal, a stroke of pure marketing genius. Every child wants to be happy, and Happy Meals send the message that all it takes is a little plastic toy that comes as a gift with your hamburger. And don't parents also want their kids to be happy? After all, the kid has to eat anyway, and it seems like such a small and convenient way to, do, to bring a little happiness to a child's life, or at least to avoid anticipated unhappiness. In a matter of minutes, the half-eaten hamburger is thrown away. In a matter of days, the plastic prize is broken, lost, or entirely forgotten. But no matter, there is always the next Happy Meal, and the next, and the next, and the next. Yet ever, whatever happiness this pursuit may bring is unstable and short-lived. There is more than consumerism and materialism. It goes deeper than that. It's about an entire perspective on life. It is a mindset that we have to constantly challenge and transform. It is why the Word of God says in the Beatitudes that blessed are those who are persecuted. And elsewhere, the Scripture says that, yea, those who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. What is the cause of that? It's the confrontational nature of the goals and aspirations of Christianity. It is because as people hear the word of God, they find their own belief system to be confronted and challenged. They are encouraged to think about their life and perhaps repent of decisions and activities and 
values that they have hold precious and dear. People have worked all their lives in a particular direction. And now they come to the word of God and they're encouraged to take on a whole new direction and set of priorities. And they feel threatened. And as a result, they strike out against that which is counter to their own belief system and practice. One of the great tragedies that's really happening in evangelicalism today is that we are seeking to incorporate our culture into the church more and more. There isn't a confrontation of values. There is an assimilation of values. That we are taking on more and more the mindset of those around about us and trying to win them by associating our ideas with their ideas and saying there really are no differences, when in reality there are great differences. A recent study was conducted of 18 to 30-year-olds, and it was discovered that what they wanted most out of life was not to be rich or famous, but it was to be happy. To be happy. It was the number one priority. And so, again, we're back to a basic question in life. What is it going to take to make me happy? We've all answered that question in our own mind, some deliberately, some less with contemplation. But we have an answer. What is your answer? What will it take to make you happy? And then second, what do you have to do then to obtain it? What energies do you have to put forth? Where do your monies go? What activities are you going to engage in? How are you going to bring about that perceived happiness in your life? Well, I've been talking a lot about happiness, but I said that, in fact, blessedness is greater than simply being happy. That, too, is a very important biblical distinction to be maintained. Robert Schuller wrote a book, and maybe some of you are familiar with it. It's entitled The Be Happy Attitudes. And speaking of the Beatitudes, the Be Happy Attitudes. There is a measure of truth that happiness is to be associated with blessedness. But it is not exhaustive at all. There is a much greater depth to blessedness than happiness. So what is that distinction? What is that depth? How is it superior to happiness? How does it go further than happiness? How is it richer than happiness? How is it to be more desired than happiness? I submit to you that one of the best ways to consider what does it mean to be blessed is to consider its antithesis. What is opposite to blessing. 
It is not unhappiness. It's cursing. Blessing. Cursing. To be blessed stands in opposition to being cursed. Deuteronomy 30.19 I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. God says, I've set before you my word. And I've set before you two different paths. One of blessing and one of curse. Luke 6.28 says, Bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. Romans 12.14 Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. To be cursed is to be more than unhappy. To be cursed is to be in a condition under God's judgment. A person who is cursed is going to ultimately experience God's wrath, God's anger, God's disapproval. Certainly, a person who experiences all of that is going to be unhappy. But it goes far beyond our usual concept of being unhappy or what causes one to be unhappy. Thus, to be blessed is to be in a position in which we are experiencing God's approval, favor, and acceptance. That is what is to be paramount in our thinking about blessedness. I am blessed this morning, and you are blessed this morning, if you are in a position in which you are experiencing God's Approval, God's favor, and God's acceptance. That you will not abide under his wrath, but ultimately you are going to be in the presence of God and knowing his joy forever and ever. To be blessed is to be a part of his kingdom and to be cursed is to be separate from his kingdom. And so the Beatitudes set before us kingdom living. So, wherein does this blessedness consist? What does it look like from day to day? What is it that we are to anticipate about blessing? I would submit to you that to understand the Beatitudes, we must understand the one who gave us the Beatitudes, namely the Lord Jesus Christ. The person of the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who not only teaches us the Beatitudes, but lives by the model of the Beatitudes. Jesus considered himself to be blessed. If you remember, just a couple weeks ago, we looked at the baptism of Jesus when baptized by John the Baptist. And when he came up out of the water, behold, the heavens were opened and he heard the words. 
This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. That's abiding under the approval, the acceptance of God. He was favored by God. He is beloved and God is pleased with him. Jesus lived a blessed life. He always did that which was pleasing to the Father. He always gained the Father's approval. But before I began this message this morning, if you were just sitting at home contemplating life, would you have considered Jesus' life to be a blessed one? Would you want to experience what Jesus experienced? Jesus was persecuted. He said, blessed are those who are persecuted for the kingdom's sake. Jesus was a man, Isaiah 53 says, despised, forsaken of man, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide himself, he was despised and we did not esteem him. He was totally rejected. He mourned. He wept. But Jesus was blessed. For he was comforted. And he had a hope. And he had an expectation. Jesus bore the curse of a fallen world. Cursed is everyone who hangs upon a tree. Jesus bore our curse. But he himself was always in the favor of God. For he always did what was right. Mary. We are soon entering the Christmas season. Mary. The mother of our Lord Jesus Christ. On receiving the news that she would give birth to the Christ child, Mary sang this song, if you will. It's known as the Magnificent. Luke chapter 1, 46 and following. My soul exalts the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior, for he has regard for the humble state of his bond slave. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me as blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is His name. Mary said, I am blessed. And all generations after me are going to look at me and marvel at how I have been blessed. But think of Mary's life. Think of how she was ridiculed and how she was mocked and how she was viewed as an impure woman by all those who didn't believe in the virgin birth. 
When Mary brought Jesus and dedicated it in the temple, the priest said to Mary, your soul is going to be inflicted with many sorrows. She would have anguish over her son and his death and be watching him crucified on a tree. Did Mary live a happy life? Was she joyful every day? Did she rise up and with a carefree song in her heart and glad tidings on her lips? Did she walk with a special little hop in her get-along because she was so excited about living the day? I think Mary knew a lot about happiness in her life. I think these inflictions that the Word of God talks about were real. And they were painful. And the comments that she heard hurt. And the unbelief around her was menacing. And when she watched the crucifixion of her son, it was tragic. But she was blessed. Because she had a privilege and as a result, a joy that no one else can imagine. The angel came to Mary and said, Hail, thou who art highly favored. Mary You've got a special place in the heart and will of God. You have a privilege that's going to be absolutely unique that you are going to be able to raise, to rear, to teach, to instruct, to help. The child of God. Mary knew that she was blessed. I say to you this morning that we really got to get out of our hearts and minds this attitude, of, this, this whole connotation of happiness and replace it with a conception of blessedness. And whatever you are facing today, and I know, I look out there and I know there are people that are facing really, really difficult things. I don't minimize that one bit. And I feel for you. And I'm saddened. And I honestly weep. But I think of what people have to go through and to endure. But I'm so thankful that you're blessed.
that you experience God's approval and God's favor. And you will be in his kingdom. And you will abide with him forever. And you will hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. This is a message about who is really blessed in life. That's the nature of the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are declarations. They are not commandments. The Beatitudes are not eight ways to obtain happiness or blessedness. They are not eight how-tos. They are not eight keys to the way to happiness or success. They are eight declarations of those who are blessed. And then an explanation of wherein that blessing consists. Such as, blessed are. That is in every beatitude. Blessed are. They are in a state of blessedness. You are not trying to obtain a blessed state this morning. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you are blessed. You are in a state of blessing. You are in a state of God's approval. You are in a state in which you are going to experience forever presence with God and His bestowing His goodness upon you. If you know Jesus as your Savior, you are blessed. And let me just say, as a word of warning, and not with any harshness at all, but out of a real and genuine concern, no matter how happy you are this morning, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, you're not blessed. You're headed for a dreadful end. You're on a pathway and road to destruction. And I know our society just bristles at that thought. So much so that the church has just quit preaching on hell. Because it is so antithetical to the world that says, if God is loving, how could there be a hell? Well, our message is countercultural. It's different from what the world thinks. And I say it not with a glee in my heart. I say it with an anguish. For there are so many people who are happy. Or at least trying to obtain happiness. And think they will be happy. Only to experience the greatest disappointment that one can know. And disappointment doesn't describe it enough. 
So there are these eight declarations of blessedness and then the reason why one should consider oneself as blessed in this state. So let me go through them quickly. Start with Matthew 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Why? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. Why? For they shall be comforted. Mourning isn't the blessedness. The, the blessedness is the comfort in mourning. So that even in the book of Thessalonians, when it talks about comforting when one has died, it says that we do not grieve like those who have no hope. We grieve, but we have a hope. We have a comfort. When there are tears to be shed, there is a reason for hope and confidence and encouragement. When you go through heartache and you go through distress, so too does the world go through heartache and distress. And you may say to yourself, why is this happening to me? The difference in the Christian's life is not what they go through. In fact, Peter says that the same troubles that are in the world are accomplished in the brethren. We're not wrapped in cellophane. We're not placed in nice little packages and preserved from the heartaches of this world. We're all going to die. We're going to know disease. We're going to know death. We're going to know disappointment. We're going to know a host of tragedies. In that, we are no different. But the difference is, we will be comforted. The difference is, we have a hope. We have an expectation. We know that our God is going to do for us what He doesn't do for others because we are in a state of blessedness. And no matter what, we are experiencing in life, it is not a curse. It is not a judgment. It's a trial. But we are in a place of blessedness with God. Moving on. Blessed are the gentle. Why? For they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Why? For they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful. Why? For they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. Why? For they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Why? For they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. Why? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It goes on and on. I don't have the the time this morning to expound these. But you get the idea. Conclusion. Conclusion this morning. First. It is absolutely essential this morning that we make a distinction between being blessed and being, being happy. We're blessed. And this morning, you may not feel very blessed. You might be pretty unhappy. 
You might be one of those blessed people this morning who are mourning. Don't confuse blessedness and happiness. Don't set as a goal in your life to be happy. May your goal be to be blessed. To be a part of God's kingdom and to abide under his approval and his favor. Secondly, don't allow the values of our culture to inundate you so that you adopt the values of our culture. Romans 12 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Give yourself to the Word of God so that you can make a distinction between the world's values how it uses its money, how it uses its time, how it uses its energy. When the world looks at you and thinks you're nuts because you tithe. When the world can't understand why you give so much time and effort in volunteering in the life of the church. When people don't understand why it is that you've adopted certain practices and lifestyles. Know that we will always be an enigma. Always know that people aren't going to get it. And understand why it is that people get upset with the gospel message. Understand why it is that a message of righteousness and repentance brings persecution. Last week, we noted John the Baptist is put in prison. He's persecuted. He's blessed. Because he took a stand on righteousness. And Herod was outraged. Understand that. That's being a part of God's kingdom. And it's a part of being blessed. Thirdly, this morning, I want to encourage and strengthen you in your resolve. That if you have acknowledged Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you have begun that road of following after him, taking up your cross, denying yourself, that you are a blessed person today. Because it is so easy with all of the propaganda all the talk shows, all of the news, all of the input we get in our life is contrary to that truth. 
And we can get to the place where we even question, am I really blessed? Is this a blessed life? Yes, it is. For you stand in the acceptance and the approval of God. Fourth and final distinction. Where the church has adopted our culture is that more and more the church is not willing to talk about the lost. So many of the modern songs give the impression that everyone is saved, that everyone's in a right relationship with God. Everyone's in a state of just giving praise and thanksgiving to God. It's not so. It's not so. Jesus identifies a life. These are the people who are blessed. The people who are in the kingdom. And so this morning I say to you, I don't know you personally. I don't know what your goals, aspirations are. But you've probably been working at trying to be happy. Let me just ask you this morning, but are you blessed? Are you in a place of acceptance and favor and approval with God? And that comes through accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Will you today acknowledge your need of a Savior? I need to be delivered. Even from the kind of mindset that we've been describing this morning. Cry out to Jesus Christ. Accept Him as your Lord and Savior. And you are blessed. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you this morning that if we know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, we are a blessed people. Oh, Lord, help us to see ourselves as blessed. Help us to understand the nature of blessedness. To be approved by you. And Lord, there are probably a lot of people that are approved by you that today have reasons to be unhappy. They have sorrow in their hearts. They are acquainted with grief. They know sorrow. Even as Lord Jesus did. Even as Jesus himself wept. Such as at Lazarus' tomb. In the Garden of Gethsemane. Oh Lord, in our tears. And in our anguish. Help us to reaffirm in our own hearts. And then openly to you. Oh God, thank you that I am a blessed person. Thank you for the comfort I'm going to receive. Thank you that the kingdom is mine. And I belong to your kingdom. And your presence. Oh God. Give us a sense of blessedness today. For it's in Jesus' name we pray.
雨。